We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Runes podcast. This episode 86 of the pod. We apologize for the hiatus, but hey, podcasters have holidays too. I know all the other podcasts you listen to probably were on a little bit of a hiatus. We didn't warn you of the hiatus because we we're going we to try to get one in there. Yeah, we just, you know, you start eating, you start drinking, and boom, it's the new year. So happy new year, uh, a merry belated Christmas, uh, whatever it is you celebrate. We hope it was a fantastic day, week, month, whatever, with family, loved ones, however you celebrate. We hope it was great, but we're glad to be back here on the Moose and Runes podcast. We got plenty to get to today, Matt. Uh, college football, obviously going to take lion share of the pod but got to talk a little bears preview going into the playoff matchup i love how it's setting up for the bears we're going to give you some more picks and we're going to get you up to date on our locks of the week that we gave you we did do some blind betting uh behind the scenes to a third party uh that kept our picks for the golf ball uh extravaganza that's been going on a uh, little spoiler alert here no one's getting anything as of right now so no gonna, one's getting anything how we're going to triple down we're going to come back down. for the ages <laughs> <laughs> we're going to triple down and we're going to take it to uh, the NFL playoffs, but we'll get there when we get there. Matt, first and foremost, a happy new year to you. Yeah, happy new year to you, to, to you as well, buddy. And I'm sure, you know, you mentioned we took that hiatus, didn't really know what our plan was for the week. And I, I can't stress mm-hmm. this enough. We're not getting paid to podcast. If no. someone out there would like to pay us to podcast, <laughs> I will happily not take breaks on the holidays. But for now, until that happens, yeah. Joe, we got, uh, we got families and vacations and, uh, you know, we got to do what we got to do. How was your, uh, how was your time home? Like it was good. It was fast, fleeting, as always. Got home for about three and a half days there. Flew in uh, on the Santa Express. Uh, to all I saw was your Instagram post about you being at what the airport it? at four in the morning oh, looking yes, for a cab, a little, asking, a do they singing. still have cabs? I don't even know. Yes. I felt very well, bad cause for you. I was trying to get an Uber. The closest Uber was 25 minutes away. It was 4.45 in the morning. And do that. There's no one in the cab line at O'Hare. I look into the cab um, you know, like the little kiosk there where the, where they, mm-hmm. the attendant usually is no one in there. I turn around, I'm walking around. I look, uh, I double back to the kiosk and there was a woman who was literally like cowering in the corner of the kiosk. You couldn't even see her. She's like, do you need a cab? I was like, yes, please. I was like, do you need a hand warmer? So it was, it was bleak <laughs> times, but uh, we got home. You got home. Th- this was, now this was maybe not, it wasn't the best moment of being home, but coming home, to a quiet house, just kind of going upstairs saying Merry Christmas to mom and dad around five in the morning, coming downstairs, opening up a fridge and like looking mm, into Shangri-La. And there it, it was the, all of the leftovers from Christmas Eve that we had at our house. It was a bummer to miss it, but uh, I had a nice little Christmas meal. You still got meal. to reap the rewards there. Exactly. I had a nice little five o'clock weird breakfast that included like cannolis and like zucchini cakes. And, uh, uh, my sister, my sister has taken on my grandma's famous, uh, uh, eggplant recipe. So I had a little of that. It was a weird little mixture, but uh, it felt like I was, I mean, that's what leftovers right into the Christmas mode. Joe, that's that's what leftovers are. And really that's what holiday dinners are because I feel like there's so many different options. Everybody brings so many different things at the table that Mm -hmm. you're just kind of picking out your favorites. So your plate usually ends up being a, a whole bunch of things that don't really go together. Together, but you like all of them. 
And that's what the holidays <laughs> exactly. are about, Joe. I was, and I, I, saw was you, you saw, I was down in Florida hitting. A, yeah, I saw you out on the golf course. You played with Joe's balls a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I was. I was. I was smacking <laughs> Joe's balls around the golf course a little bit. Uh, <laughs> That's so questionable for people who are just listening to this podcast and don't have the context of what Joe's balls are. Yeah, you should should probably fill them in on the context of Joe's balls. Uh, Maybe tune into episode 83, I think it was. I don't know, just go go through the descriptions. You'll find them eventually. Uh, From from the last golf ball bet. Um, I had one that my brother desperately really wanted. He really wanted to hit one of Joe's balls for some reason. Mm -hmm. Don't really know why. And Mm -hmm. it was the the par 5 ninth that has about a 300-yard carry if you want to cut everything off. Okay. And he says, give me one of those for that. And I was like, well, I don't want to lose it. You're just going to lose it. He says, no, I promise you, I'm not going to lose it. Takes it, hits it about as well as he could hit a drive and actually was about five yards short into the uh-huh. water and then said, okay, yeah. I'm doing that again and takes one of his. And then that one, of course, he, he carried, probably carried about 310 with it, which Might is been impressive that little, itself. That little but that's extra weight. Mike, it was the, the extra ink. The extra yes, ink the is what weighed you down without the customization ink you're carrying. So, but whatever. Yeah, he hadn't, he hadn't ionized uh, the ball yet and found, you know, exactly. the true center. It, it was a big issue. But, but no, uh, it, was a, it was a no, fun was, trip. Putts around the golf course. Joe, I had my, my Christmas orange golf pants on, the Ricky Fowlers. It was, I saw, it was very festive. I saw, we, we were all wearing some colors. It was a lot of fun. like a brigade of pimps. Looked fantastic. You know, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> of uh, of three putting pimps that, yeah. that might have been what it is but uh, I'm glad it was a fantastic Christmas uh, surrounded by loved ones for you Matt but let's dive into some topics here yesterday I was just delaying uh, the inevitable I really didn't want to have to bring back Notre Dame I was just uh, kind of yeah. hoping we just talk about the let's holidays. put Notre Dame off a little bit let's no, talk I say we get it out of the way okay you want to talk Notre Dame because I do want I, I would like to talk Notre Dame I have a I have a take right here, and it's that I Notre was, Dame okay, ahead, does not Notre Dame does not belong in the college football playoff until they one join a conference, two bolster their own schedule. I don't think the conference they they has, completely they the, completely the, the, ruin their chances here. I don't think you cannot no show for the seventh time. Uh, that, this that that I agree with. I don't think the conference argument is relevant at all. Yeah, but I'm I, saying, as much as they, they still play. I'm, for the yeah. most part, an ACC conference schedule with the exception of two Which games. Which isn't and very good. It's not, but like... They so get then Clemson you, so next okay, year on the regular season okay, schedule, well, correct? Then, go, then go tell Clemson they need to join a conference because they're, then by, by definition, their schedule is not very good. Um, I don't... Th- they... It's not like they're playing Mountain West teams every... It, yes, they, they... I mean... They caught a very favorable schedule yes. this year. If Even the tough the teams they caught this in year, bad spots. You look at the schedule this year, the one that they scheduled, you know, and this is the same argument you make for a lot of teams. Like Wisconsin last yeah. year is getting ripped for their non-conference schedule. But when they scheduled BYU a few years ago, BYU was ranked every year, and that was the team. It's the mm-hmm. same thing with Notre Dame. When you look at their schedule, even going into this year, they had Virginia Tech on the road, Florida State, and USC. And Mich- like you, you look at those teams, and it, it it's really – hard to fault a team for putting those teams on their schedule and then those teams all kind of having down years with the exception of Michigan. Uh, I thought going into the game with Notre Dame, I did think that they have a chance to win, maybe just blinded by our allegiances, you know, that sort of thing. But I also had the thought that if they are a no-show, as they were, this will hinder them for the next half decade when it comes to the committee. They are going to forever bring this game up, now fresh in our minds, another no-show this time in a semifinal game. When you have teams like Georgia and Ohio State who play tough conference schedules, who Mm -hmm. deservedly could be in that fourth spot, you're now going to defer away from Notre Dame. Notre Dame is now playing from behind the eight ball for the next few years because of a single performance on a Saturday, and I, I can I, agree in my with eyes, that. it's deserved go because I, I you can, cannot go and lay an egg like that. I think it's just going to. First off, I do think I think they used to have the benefit of the doubt. And now I kind of think they've they've it's lost gone. that. Yeah. Um, I still think you know from here on out. I, I 
depending on what their schedule looks like every year. I still think if you have a 12 and 0 Notre Dame team at the end of it, you're still likely going to see they're they're not going to they'll probably lose the benefit of the doubt if there's a whole bunch yeah. of undefeateds at the top. I still think you depending on the schedule that team probably qualifies over one or two lost teams, but I think it becomes mm-hmm. a more of a debate now and it just kind of is going to go year to year with their schedule. Like next year they have Clemson's Georgia on the schedule. First off, Notre Dame's believe, not, right? I be, I, it's either next year or the year after that Clemson's on the schedule. I do yeah. think it is next year. <clears throat> like next year, they have Clemson and Georgia on the schedule. Like, no, they're, if they're you're not, undefeated, you're in. Notre Dame's not That's, going to run yeah. the table this next year. I'm, I'm just going to say yeah. that now. They have Clemson, Georgia, and Michigan all on the schedule. If not next year, with Clemson and the year after. If, if they run the table with that, you're still going to put them in. They just need to start winning those games. There's no Notre Dame on, in the past has had a lot of you know, regular season, you know, good losses, impressive losses that have kind of kept them in. Like the, the Georgia one two years ago, the Clemson one, I yeah. think it was three years ago. They're not going to get the benefit of, of the doubt for those anymore. And it, it was upsetting to watch because I think if you watched at least the first quarter, really, and I, I'm not going to make excuses, but when Julian Love went down, that's kind of when the game went that's when it went out the window. For it can't go that far. Itself, that, see, know? that's that's what I agree with, though. And that's, you have to deal with sudden change, whether that be turnover, whether that be loss of players. You have to, in big games, be able to deal with sudden change. Did you see what that LSU was, did yesterday? Oh, yeah. LSU yeah. was losing cornerback after safety mm-hmm. after cornerback, and they just kept getting after the football. Well, there was no excuse. With, it was next man up. That's what I think. And this year, I think we all, you, you and I, even at the beginning of the year, had a feeling with Notre Dame that this wasn't the best team we had in a while this was going to be a fine year, but I don't mm-hmm. think anybody expected this. I mean, I, I think what happened was this team was almost the exact, if you remember the 2015 year, the year with Jalen Smith, where he went hurt, where they, the one where they lost to Clemson, they lost like by two touchdowns to Ohio state in the Fiesta Bowl. These two years were so incredibly mm-hmm. opposite because I think that year's team w- with how good they were, how much talented they were very well could have been in the playoffs. And if healthy would have gone to the playoff. Whereas this year, if they would have had one significant injury throughout, they did with the Alex Bars, but they had a little bit of offensive line depth. If they would have lost someone defensively, they'd have been done. That's what this team yeah. was. This team was, their ones up and down the lineup could compete with you. They could compete, maybe not beat, but they can compete with anybody in the country. And we saw that against Clemson for, I don't know, a quarter and a half, whatever it was. But the second that player went down, and granted Julian Love is an All-American corner, might be a first-round draft pick if he goes this year, whatever. The second they went down and they were forced to go to their depth, there was just nothing there. And yeah. that's something you hope that they're still continuing to grow. But when you recruit the way Notre Dame does, where they're not really getting a lot of five stars. They're very good at getting the, you know, the four and the three stars and kind of developing those guys. But if you're not getting the top end talent, that's kind of what your team's going to be because you're going to have those top end talented players. But after that, there's just not going to be much there. There's going to be a lot of failed, you know, three star recruits sitting behind them. Even the starting 11, you look at it, and I hate to say, you know, because they did come out and land it. You can't score three points and win a ball game. You can't. No, totally. Mathematically. I, well, but in my defense, they I was were talking completely more outclassed. They were on both sides of the ball. They were outclassed. I'm going to disagree those plays with that you wide on receivers, defense. I think no, offense, a couple plays that totally those wide receivers went and made on, uh, they made those defensive backs look like children. And they were outclassed and you could see it in their body language. You could see by the way they were taking the field every time, every uh, drive, excuse me. Those were better athletes on Clemson across the board, offensive line versus defensive line, wide receivers versus defensive back quarterback versus entire defense. Trevor Lawrence. I hate to gush about the kid because I didn't watch a ton of Clemson football this year, but that's the most pro ready quarterback. Oh, that right I'll, now, I'll period, totally point blank period. He can go point blank period. Be the number one draft pick. 
I guess my, my disagreement is I, I'm not saying Clemson wasn't the, obviously Clemson was is the better team. That's not what I'm debating. I think mm-hmm. on the defensive side of the football, had Notre to add Julian Love not been hurt. Um, I mean, that's the big one for me. Had uh, Julian Oguara not gone down for a bit, had Aloha Gilman not missed a few plays. I think that side of the ball, and we saw it early on, was able to compete. It was when I, I used to have a breakdown in my phone. Somebody sent it to me. It was a tweet of Trevor Lawrence's numbers with Julian Love in the game, and then afterwards. I mean, he, his completion percentage was high, but pretty much everything was dinking and dunking underneath, not getting much. I still think on that side of the football, Notre Dame was competitive, but for me, it was offense. And the, the offensive line, even with Alex Bars, you put them in that, on that offensive line, they still would have been helpless. They, they, they had really just one fairly good player, which was Sam Mustafer. The rest of them kind of stunk. Ian Book looked like the you know two-star Mountain West quarterback <laughs> recruit that he, he was. He looked like the moment was absolutely too big for him. He was missing throws. He had happy feet in the pocket. The only one player on offense to me that actually looked like he belonged in the game was Dexter Williams. I thought he yeah. made some plays out of the backfield that you know sparked – you tried to spark runs, but that was really about it. Chase, Chase Claypool was dropping stuff. Miles Boykin, I, I put his down game more on Ian Book not being able to find him. But uh, it, it was a tough showing for that offense, and especially for a guy like Brian Kelly, who while he's taken the CEO role more, I mean, he's, he's still an offensive head coach. And you just kind of have to start to wonder if they've kind of hit their ceiling. Um, mm-hmm. if this is, And I love – I love where Brian Kelly's got the program. I had to stop myself short of saying I love Brian Kelly because I, I don't. I don't hate him anymore, though. That said, this kind of might be it. And he's – I'm going to give him credit. He saved Notre Dame football because but when he got here, I mean, you remember it was Charlie Weiss. It was 7-6. and six, It was 3-9. and nine, It was 8-4, and four, whatever. They were terrible. Um, They're struggling to be 500 every year. Brian Kelly got them here. But I, I've said this on the podcast a couple times. I, I think he's an A to B guy. And if they want to get to that next step, they kind of have to, I think, find the next guy. Yeah. I, I, Sorry, I think they might have to. There. I was just kind no, of no, no, no. And we could go on. We could wax poetic about this all day. But my prevailing thought is just that Notre Dame and their showing last week hindered their program 100%. for the coming years. It was not a single loss on a single day. This is something that we are going to look back on and that the committee is going to look back on as part of a comprehensive portfolio in a future mm-hmm. year that has nothing to do with that year, but is a program type of, uh, it's a expectation setting mm-hmm. loss where we expect Notre Dame to come in in these moments and be non-existent because yeah. they have, and they can, they will continue to now, uh, Brian Kelly's done a great job. I, in my estimation, I know you've gone hot and cold on him, but he's done a great job with the guys that he's had. You need more out of a guy in a big moment. You need a guy mm-hmm. to have his team better prepared. You need to have a better game plan. Things need to be better than thirty to three, uh, and that's it's, everybody's fault. It's odd to me because, like, you look at these big games that he plays in the regular season that Notre Dame has played in the regular season, and obviously the Miami game last year was was an outlier. That was terrible. They got blown out, but for the most part, they don't always win those big games. But like, they usually come the prepared, difference? come play, come ready to play. And it's when he's got he's going up against a, a very good coach, whether that's Urban Meyer, Dabo Swinney, whatever, and they have a couple weeks to prepare. It seems like that's when he kind of struggles, and maybe I, I don't the, know who said what that says about him. But mentally, is the idea of a finite future losing? It's over mm-hmm. now. If week six or whatever week it was, week one you lose to Michigan, you got 
11 weeks to figure it out and put, put your product on field. I think that when there's a fatalist mentality, guys tend to tighten up in that room and around Brian Kelly. And that's what we've seen. Mm -hmm. And not only with Brian Kelly, but in South Bend for the last decade, that's what we've seen. And I I I cannot, I cannot fault the committee to leave out an undefeated Notre Dame in the next few years. I I just can't. I think it's again, like I said, I think it's going to be a year to year type thing. It's a lot like this year. It's, it's going to see, I'm going to have to see what the schedule is every year, kind of how that plays out. But like, if you have, I don't think an undefeated Notre Dame is a lock anymore. I think in the past, they've always been a lock. I still think, like I said, you know, from here on out, if there's an undefeated Notre Dame, they probably have a pretty good chance, but I don't think it's a lock anymore. And quite honestly, depending on how the schedule turns out, if it turns out like it did, did this year, I'd be upset if they missed it, but I also can't be like, well, they're not justified in that because that's kind of what Notre Dame's been. It's what they've done in the playoffs. But I also do think that as upset I am about Notre Dame and kind of how they faltered, I think a lot of that playoff Saturday night said a lot more about where the programs of Clemson and Alabama are compared to anyone, anyone, not just Notre Dame, anyone in the country. Yes, Oklahoma came back and made it a game. That's very cute. It was 28-0 in the second quarter. Now, that 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 begs the question, Matt. That begs the question. Do you think uh, Ohio State or Georgia – Obviously, they fare better than Notre Dame at thirty to three. Yeah. But do you think either of them is in a ball game late in the fourth quarter? Uh, maybe Georgia, Ohio I, State, I think maybe Georgia is. I, Ohio yeah, with State the way maybe. Georgia played yesterday, I don't. Yeah, I just I, I, we talked about this before the podcast. Yeah, before the podcast, I can't remember if we did it on or off. Um, I think Georgia, especially this year, was uh, kind of ran very hot and cold. And I think last night they just came out a little bit uninspired. A team that was worried more about not being in the playoff than playing in the Sugar Bowl. Uh, we saw them play Alabama and we saw them play Alabama pretty darn good and they're recruiting as well as anybody the last few years. So I do kind of include Georgia in that category, whereas they might be more prone to the upset. I also think if you had Clemson playing Georgia's schedule, they might be a little bit more like that too, where they're a little bit more prone to that upset. But I still think Alabama's head and shoulders above everybody else. And I did have Ohio State up there, but now with Urban Meyer gone, you're going to have to kind of wait and see where that folds out. I think Ohio State's kind of one rung below them, but I think they're kind of the only school there. I think you have that top three programs in Ohio State, Oklahoma mm-hmm. maybe, and then kind of everyone else. Yeah. it's uh, Also, if you're if you're a fan of the four-team playoff or an argument of not expanding, this was absolutely your best year to ever make an argument. Expand it to 100 teams. Like you just said, we're still probably going to end up, end up seeing Clemson and Alabama. Like yeah. Expand it as far as you want. These two teams are head and shoulders better than everybody in the country right now, and it's to their credit. And if you look at the two recruiting classes, I haven't looked much at Alabama's. I assume it's stacked. Mm -hmm. I've looked at Clemson's because we'd had a couple local kids here from Northern California heading to Clemson. They're stacked again. They have three of the top five wide receivers in the country going there. They have a top 10 quarterback going. They're going to be, this is how it's going to be Mm -hmm. because Dabo has created a culture. That culture is one of winning. It's one of success. And, you know, we can get, we can dig down into it. But when we look at our picks, we both like Clemson covering the number. And I think, they're not a bad choice at money uh, on the money line. No, this I mean, it's a, Monday either. They, they have the talent that's, it makes it the, the value there where if they pull off that win, would, I don't think anybody would be shocked or think it was that big of a surprise. It was kind of surprising there. I think their money lines like plus 200, yeah. but I think that just goes to show how highly Vegas thinks of Alabama, which is mm-hmm. scary to think that anybody could be a touchdown favorite over that Clemson team that we saw against Notre Dame. And that, quite frankly, we've seen all year. 
So it's Bama and Clemson going at it. Part four going to be another good one on Monday night from Levi's Stadium in Santa Clara, California. We had some great matchups, New Year's Six matchups yesterday, New Year's Five, whatever it is now. I uh, fell asleep on the couch. I woke up. I felt it was, great. It was just a fantastic day of yeah. f- football watching and, and sedentary activity, or lack thereof. Uh, who, who impressed you most on New Year's Day? I'm going to go with uh, with LSU. Well, obviously, Texas, yeah. I thought, was fantastic. And I think the P- team that won the day for me, or the unit, whatever, was Texas's defense. And mm-hmm. you have Big 12 defenses getting ripped all all season and kind of rightfully so it's it's for the most part non-existent but texas defense stepped up i think they held i saw george's rushing attack two yards a carry just over two yards a carry when they've been averaging just over six all year again i think a lot of that factored into georgia being more worried about missing the playoff than playing in the sugar bowl but uh texas looked fantastic i'm not sure how sam ellinger continues to run as much as he does i know we saw late in the game it was 20 to 7 or whatever it was and texas had first and goal from the one they ran Ellinger four straight times on quarterback die from the shot, but whatever. Uh, But really I I was most impressed with LSU. They went down early. Their quarterback took a nasty uh, crack back block and an interception. It looked like they had every excuse in the world to quit. They had six starters on defense, not playing. And all they did was kind of bounce back. I know the quick game got close at the end, but they really controlled and dominated UCF. Um, So for me playing so far down, like without so many of their great players, uh, that was a fun game to watch for me, and I was most snapping with that a twenty-five year. game snapping a twenty-five game win streak is impressive mm-hmm. as well. Like you said, down the guys that they were. Uh, I was also really impressed by Ohio State, despite that late uh, surge. And uh, if you had any betting interest on Ohio State, well, that was a tough two-point conversion to watch there too. Stumbling oh, I thought, with no one I in front of him. I thought he had it. <laughs> but uh, I was very impressed by Ohio State and Dwayne Haskins yesterday. Dwayne Haskins. Uh, his arm talent, and I know that's a word that people throw around, but his arm talent and ability to get the ball out quickly is so impressive. What worries me, and I think he'll be successful at the next level, he'll rely on that arm talent too many times when it's a throw shorter than 10 yards. Anything beyond 10 yards, he moves his feet through his progressions, he sets his feet, he throws, and he throws a hell of a ball. When it's inside of 10 yards, sometimes he's trying to get it on that receiver quick because he's reading it a little late, he's just trying to snap it out there. That works right now, but hmm. it's a little yeah, scary at the next level. When those DBs have the closing speed, they have. But next year, I think you're you're looking at this kid as another, uh, or excuse me, he's probably going to the draft, but we don't know for sure yet. If he was to stay back, that that's your Heisman. Him and Trevor Lawrence, you, mm-hmm. can, you can duke it out all season. That'd be a blast to watch. But I think Haskins does go to the next level, maybe learn behind a couple guys and maybe be a guy we see in three years starting well, for someone at the NFL level just because of that arm talent. Unfortunately, the way the NFL works is, is a guy who probably should sit a year behind a, a veteran. He's going to be in by mm-hmm. like week two because people will start saying how bad that veteran yep. is and he drafted the whatever. Dwayne uh, Haskins to I'm, New York, second round, third round. Oh, if Dwayne Haskins goes pro, he's a first round pick. He's the top quarterback. You think so? He's a, look, that, look at the quarterback draft. Well, I, yeah, I, but I think that that's why a lot of people are going to stay away from quarterback in the Joe, first round. EJ Manuel was a first round pick one year that's because true. the quarterback and, depth was so but low. Look at what those, is EJ Manuel? Look at how big of a mistake that is. Don't but make you, a mistake on a quarterback in the first round. Make a mistake in the third or fourth. are always going to make mistakes on quarterbacks yeah. because that's the way you, you know, you win in the NFL with a young, talented quarterback that's cheap. And if you look at it, the six highest paid quarterbacks in the NFL all watch the playoffs from the comfort of their own home. So 
it is getting a guy in there, getting him ready right now, and getting him to perform with talent around him on a cheap rookie contract. Mm-hmm. That's essentially the new formula. And uh, you know who's who's implementing that formula quite nicely? Bears. The Bears. Bears. Uh, we will get to Bears in a little bit here. First, we got to talk locks of the week. We had uh, a couple dozen golf balls. I took the regular season title. Matt doubled down. Mm. Uh, and we we. I think it was New Year's Six and a couple other games and semifinal games. We emailed our picks to a friend of the podcast, Tim Rooney, uh, brother of Matt. And uh, we ended up, he ended up forwarding our picks to one another. We had the same exact picks except for last night's Georgia-Texas game. Uh, that essentially won Matt uh, uh, the ability to not have not to buy, the golf to buy balls. you two boxes okay, of so golf that balls. Was a, yeah, it was a double or nothing. So, uh Matt comes out clean in that. We are going to uh, triple down, uh, but just for a thing? dozen golf yeah, balls dozen. here. I, I we're not playing three boxes uh, on the line. We're, we're playing for a dozen here in the playoffs. We're going to make our selections. So, Matt, why don't you go ahead and lead us off. Give us a uh, wild card round pick here for the NFL playoffs. I'm going with a couple road underdogs, Joe. Okay. Uh, we both looked at these lines. Just, yeah, a little stipulation here. We're each going to take two uh, games in the wild card round, two in the divisional Two, obviously, in the championship round, we'll pick both games. Uh, those will be blind picks, but right now we're just going to pick on the pod. I'm going with some some underdogs on the road here. I like the Colts uh, give, or getting one and a half, excuse me. Mm-hmm. It's looking at the wrong line. I think they're playing really good football. Andrew Luck's fantastic. And Deshaun Watson in, in the playoffs, just he scares me a little bit because of how much of a, a cowboy he can kind of be in the pocket. And I just, those mm-hmm. things tend to catch up to people in the playoffs. It seems maybe yeah. not Consi- this week, you want to, you want consistency in the yeah. playoffs. It, and I, I like Colts that too, because Indy is a little bit more of a uh, slow and steady wins the race, consistent yeah. type of program. And I love their head coach. I think Frank Reich is, I think they got a blessing in disguise that Josh Daniels, uh, McDaniel backed out. I, I think Frank Reich's a fantastic head coach. Obviously he was the offensive coordinator for a Super Bowl winner last year. So I, I think he knows what he's doing. And then uh, I'm going to take the Chargers on the road, uh, getting the two and a half against Baltimore. I know Baltimore just went into uh, L.A. a couple weeks ago and, and beat them pretty good. But I like Phil Rivers in the playoffs. I, I know Baltimore plays good defense and runs the ball well. They still got a rookie quarterback. And I just I, I like the Chargers in the playoffs but with, with Phil Rivers at least getting past this this wild card round. I'm glad you took that one, and I didn't have to take that one because uh, it's – well, you're, you're I'll, gonna, be, I'll believe it when I see it mm-hmm. with the Los Angeles Chargers. And, and I, I will have that approach probably until the AFC Championship game if they're alive yeah. there because, you know, they have looked like one of the better teams, top five team all season long. But uh, it, it's how you perform on on one Sunday in January mm-hmm. from now on. That's just that's just how it is. And uh, uh, with that said, my picks, I am going to go uh, with the Seattle Seahawks. Getting one on the road in Dallas, same approach. I don't See, know. That's if exactly Dallas... how I felt about the Chargers Ravens game. I'm really glad you took that one, so I didn't have yeah. to. Yeah, I think Seattle, with the way they're playing, the momentum they've built a little bit, and their uh, postseason experience. I think they go into Big D and uh, end the first trip to the playoffs in, in, for the Dallas Cowboys in uh, in an expedited fashion. And then on the back end, uh, with the only game left to pick. I obviously can't pick against our Bears. I'm taking Chicago covering five and a half. Nick Foles, bruised ribs, Bears by 14. Yeah, I think uh, I think Akeem Hicks is going to try and land a little bit hard on those uh, those ribs. And if he takes a penalty early on for it, you know, that would be unfortunate. But if, if it helps in the long run, I'm not sure he's going to care. I think you're going to see yes, that defensive get, line. Get Nate Sudfield in go, there. Go and, out of their uh, way to, to fall a little bit hard on, on Nick yeah. Foles if they get to him. 
so those are the picks here for the for week one of the third round of our golf ball challenge. Does anyone end up with golf balls? We will see, Matt. Somebody I can't wait till end, we tie this. Somebody comes Super Bowl Sunday is going to have a brand new we're dozen gonna, golf what's, balls. We're going to we're, we're going to somehow wait? figure out a way to tie this. The Super Bowl is going to be the Super Bowl is going to be like someone giving four. You're going to take one side. I'm going to take the other, and the final is going to be twenty one seventeen. And we'll That's both push. Yeah. <laughs> we'll both send each but other Matt, golf balls uh, then. Let's let's dive into a little bears here before we get to some segments. As we mentioned, uh, Nick Foles is going to be starting this game for the Philadelphia Eagles, playing with bruised ribs, and they're saying in the chest area. So that's not where you want bru- you don't want bruised ribs anywhere. But uh, when you got bruised ribs up up around, around the lungs, that's, that's not gonna, great. You know they're going to be pumping you with some with some. Uh, painkillers probably before that game to get you through because throwing a football probably doesn't feel too good, let alone getting landed on by 300 pounds of Akeem Hicks. Now, now how did you feel about how the Bears handled Sunday in Minnesota? Because there's a bunch of different arguments to this. Well, I would rather play the Vikings in the playoffs. Well, you don't want them to take their foot you're off never, the gas for a week. In what my you- eyes, you're not going to take your foot off the gas to play a team and give them, not only you want to play them, but give them momentum mm-hmm. um, going into that playoff matchup. I think it's really hard to beat a team two straight weeks. I think I really like the way that Matt Nagy went about things. I would have pulled a couple guys a little earlier, maybe. Uh, didn't have to get into that. What was it? Fourteen point lead is when he started taking guys out. I think and, so. Yeah. You know, I saw Tariq Cohen take a couple hits he didn't need to take. But at the same time, if you look at all of the teams and their performances last week and maybe the last three weeks, who's the hottest team in the NFL right now? I think they're. I think you could argue two teams. And I think they're playing each other. Mm -hmm. I think it's the Chicago Bears, and I think it's the Philadelphia Eagles. And I think those two teams have the most momentum going into the playoffs. History tells you that momentum is one of your best friends when it comes to the playoffs. It's not always the one seed that's going to make it to the Super Bowl. Now, last year, I believe, wasn't it? It was the two one seeds. It was two teams with buys. Mm -hmm. That completely refutes what I'm saying right now. But in the past, you've had teams who catch a little fire, who go into it playing good football. I think that Mitch Trubisky showed us some things that we hadn't seen yet from him last week. If he's on the bench, he couldn't do that. We saw Mitch deal with ring rust or field rust coming off his injury. With any sort of rust coming into Sunday. I like that he played a football game last week. I like that he's going through his normal motion. I like that we didn't break his uh, week-to-week routine. I I like how Matt Nagy handled these things. Yeah, uh, I'm with you. I like most of all that we came out of it healthy, uh, but were we guaranteed that? Who knows? But you're never going to try and tailor a matchup by losing a football game, in my mind. There's nothing beneficial about that. No, and it's just, it would have gone against kind of how Matt Nagy's handled the entire season. It, it would have kind of gone against how he's had that locker room moving all year. And the times that they looked their worst this year were when they came off, you know, the, the off bye week against the Dolphins. Off of the bye. Uh, Mitch having the two weeks off. Like, that's yeah. the, the the long layoff they had after the Lions when they had, you know, whatever, 12 days before the Giants. They look kind of bad against the Giants. So I, I like that. I mean, if it's an older veteran team, maybe, yeah, they know the difference between, you know, getting a week off and being able to handle mm-hmm. that. But if you have this young group that really hasn't been in this spot before, you don't want to do anything different. You want to just keep doing what you're doing. Yes, would I rather be playing the Vikings next week and Kirk Cousins, who's 4-25 and against winning teams in his career? Absolutely. But that said, I would rather have this team still feeling good about themselves, still treading upwards, coming off playing a really good game, and ready to play at home in the playoffs against 
a team that they can't afford to sleep on. If they, you know, if the Vikings somehow got in and the Bears were kind of telling themselves, well, we wanted to play them, you know, this is the team we'd rather face. Maybe you get a young team kind of drinking their own Kool-Aid a little bit. Now they're coming in, playing really well, but also playing the, arguably, like you said, the other hottest team in the NFL and the defending Super Bowl champs. That That's something this team can't afford to sleep on, get a little bit complacent with. They no, have and to I, be ready I, I don't think. Game. I don't think they, they're coming into this looking forward to any sort of matchup because the road ahead is going to be a tough one. You know, mm-hmm. you got to go through, like you said, the defending champs. Then you're likely heading to L.A. for a matchup with a team that you beat at home. Then you're likely heading to New Orleans for a matchup with a team that you beat. Did we beat? No, I haven't played him this year. No, I'm thinking of last year. They lost the game. They should have won when Zach Miller hurt his knee. That was a touchdown. That was the last last time. So you're going into – it was a touchdown, and you're going into a place where, you know, there is some unfinished business, bad blood, if you will. The road ahead is going to be tough. You're going to have to take it one week at a time. I think that momentum serves you more than a half of football unplayed. And I would sit here and argue the fact that, uh, you know, yes, maybe you do want to see Minnesota – but that's, again, if you didn't see Minnesota the week prior, you do not want to have to scheme against the team back-to-back weeks. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like that. I think that you take Philly with a banged-up Nick Foles and a team that has been hit or miss throughout the entire season. Now, yes, they've played good football over the last five weeks, but I, I'm not afraid of Philly. Mm-hmm. Nothing about this Philadelphia Eagles football team leads me to believe that the Bears will struggle. I think that they're a good football team, but I think that the Bears are the better football team. And if they come out and execute, protect the ball, they're going to win this game by two scores. So I was going to say, what is your biggest, uh, and put you on the spot a little bit here, talk X's and O's, what's your, your biggest key to the game for the Bears, like an X factor, and maybe not an X factor, but what, if the Bears do this well, they're going to win the ball game? Mitch Trubisky's touchdown to interception ratio. Okay. I think that, I don't think, and I'm knocking here... That's me knocking on wood. Uh, Mitch hasn't really had trouble putting the ball on the ground, but he has overthrown some receivers and hit safeties in the stomach. Okay. I need Mitch Trubisky's touchdown to interception ratio to be better than one. I I, need it to be better than even. And if that's the case, there's no reason the Bears shouldn't win. I'm not impressed by the wide receiving core of the Eagles. Their run game is solid. Their offensive line always solid. But their offensive line is going to be tasked with not only trying to run the game and protect, trying to run the ball and protect the football, control the clock against the Bears, because I think that's their key to victory mm -hmm. here. Protecting Nick Foles sort of is that that's that now becomes priority. A one. Mm-hmm. So I think that maybe if that's you know you're you're worried about the pass rush a little bit more than you would have been in weeks past. I think that the Bears can really pin their ears back and come after the quarterback on pass downs because you gotta you gotta you're asking a lot of this Eagles offensive line. I think that we should be dominant once again on the defensive side of the ball. On the offensive side of the ball. I don't want to see Matt Nagy getting too cute. Now, I, I know we paint with a broad brush when we talk about that. Yeah, pull a couple wrinkles out. That Anthony Miller end around that they ran a couple times out of multiple formations. That looked nice. Give me a new wrinkle, but a safe wrinkle. I don't want to see Tariq Cohen taking the snap on third down, regardless of the down and distance. I need Matt Nagy to keep it on the rails, and I need Mitch Trubisky's touchdown to interception ratio to be better than one. The Bears will move on to the divisional round if that's the case. I'm going to go with surprise surprise involves the offensive line uh, blocking. I think if the Bears contain Fletcher Cox, they win this game fairly handedly. I, I, the, def- the Eagles have a solid defense, but it really goes 
as much as Fletcher Cox does and gets to the pass rush, or gets to the passer and beats the offensive line, which is why I think Kyle Long coming back and being healthy is so important. But the way they the way they blocked Minnesota's very very good front four and front seven, even in general on, on Sunday, was a great sign for me. But if they can contain Fletcher Cox similar to how they did Aaron Donald, I think the Bears, like you said, can can win this game by a couple scores. Uh, he's a great player and he's going to get his. But for the most part, if they can win that battle with him. Uh, I think that leads to, you know, Mitch obviously having time in the pocket, being comfortable, the running game getting going. I think everything kind of falls into place if you're able to win that, that matchup. Yeah. So Matt, that's Vegas, always, Vegas always knows more than we do. It's true. And this is the only game that's a bigger line than what, two, two and a half? Yeah. Is the next closest line? Yeah, There's a five and a half. and a half point favorites. That leads me to believe that Vegas believes that this is the biggest mismatch this week. And I, I think so. it is. So if I, you come I would out, agree. And you perform the way you're supposed to perform, the way that Vegas thinks you're going to perform, and Vegas is usually right, then the Bears should be looking at a divisional round matchup. So all things considered, um, we're lucky to be... We're lucky to be in this position. We can just take a second right now to applaud the Bears for their regular season, 12-4. and four. Um, show, me, show me someone outside a cap who had them winning 12 games this year, and I'll show you a liar um, because we've been treated to some fantastic football this year, something that we haven't been in a long time. So I'm very thankful to be a Bears fan this year, regardless of what happens this week, and I'm not hedging bets here or anything. Obviously, if the Bears come out and pull a Notre Dame and lay an egg against the Eagles, my heart will be broken, yes. Mm-hmm. But this has already been a success of a season. Matt Nagy is the only first-year head coach this year to be in the playoffs. Uh, the future looks good. Nagy looks good. Our quarterback looks okay. He looks to be getting better. The defense is in a great spot. It is a good time to be a Bears fan, and we are thankful for that. It is, and that said, let's let's go get more. Let's keep surprising people. Let's keep Absolutely. going farther than everybody thought we could. Absolutely. Matt, uh, should we hit a little buy or sell here? Sure. All right. Uh, I'll lead us off. If you give me a second here, uh, buy or sell. Now, there was a, there was a nice uh, little piece ESPN did, uh, a return, uh, I think it was called Return the Roar, Return to the Roar, Returning the Roar, something like that. You watched it, little expose on last season and it got me thinking just what are the expectations this year for tiger uh the official season starting this week uh in hawaii i believe it is the century tournament of champions they send you to cover that one the sony open i will not be making my way to hawaii unfortunately i'll be tied up monday uh, at the national title game so uh we we get a plus one be you know it'd be be a lot of travel be a lot of plus one i do not i do not have a plus one it's it's a uh it's a football game, not a dinner party, Matt. So Could I do not have a They serve dinner in the press box. This is a long-winded buy or sell. Matt, yes. buy or sell, over under two and a half wins for Tiger. I think the expectation of three wins, majors or not, obviously the season's not a success unless he wins a major. That's now where his expectations are at. But for our expectations and betting purposes, mm-hmm. over under two and a half wins next season for Tiger. I'm going to go under. Um, I think... I think two is about right, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't expect him to win multiple majors. I do expect him to contend in the majors like he has, but with how good the field is now compared to when he used to be doing it, it's a lot easier to just have somebody else get hot and, and be really good one weekend as well. So I'm going to yeah. say I, I think he's going to get a major, and I think he's going to get you know another random one uh, along the Tell way. Tell me what but tournaments. What major? Oh, God. Um, I believe it he's, goes, get, he's getting a green jacket. Oh yeah, because we're out of. He's getting a green jacket. He's getting a green jacket. He's doing we're it. Out it's of Tiger and Augusta. Explain to me. Explain got, to me again. So the it's the, it's the, the Masters, then the PGA, Masters, then the US Open, the PGA then the in. And we have the Masters obviously at Augusta. The PGA is where this year. 
Uh, wow. I know my head, I U.S. Know. Opens out here at Pebble, mm-hmm. and I believe Carnoustie has the Open. I think it's Carnoustie's year. If I'm not mistaken, uh, Joe. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna lie to you. I don't know off the top. Of my get back head, to but us. But I'm on guys. the Google. Get back you, you keep talking while I type. <laughs> um, I have Tiger over the two and a half wins. I think that. Oh wait, no. The uh, the Tiger Open is, is into the season, barring any sort of injury setback. Joe, the yeah. Open. How could I forget the Open Championship? Is at Royal Portrush, where I just played. Oh yeah, where you ago. just played. Exactly. Oh yeah, uh, it's so a, you got yeah, that's Royal Portrush. Fantastic Rush. Open, by the way. That course. Where's is the PGA at? Googling that keep now. Googling. Googling. We're on Googling. it. Good We're potting. on it. Beth Good Page potting. Black. Okay. Going back to yes. Beth Page. So it's going to be almost like two U.S. Opens mm-hmm. in a six-week span there from the PGA to Pebble. Um, you're going to have grown-out roughs at Beth Page. You know it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that distance and rough is really the defense there at Beth Page, elevated greens and such. We know what Pebble holds. I think uh, you might see a lower score win at the U.S. Open than at the PGA, depending on how they have these courses set up because mm-hmm. guys can work their way around Pebble. Beth Page has been known to bring people to their knees. So yeah, that's, I think it's going to be a lot of fun major uh, golf. And uh, Beth Page doesn't really set up great for Tiger, for the PGA. No. Um, he knows his way around Augusta, obviously. The Masters and some random tournament played in Florida because Tiger usually okay. plays well when he's down in Florida. So let's, let's call it the Honda or – I don't think he's going to yeah. win Bay Hill, but he'll win something. But you're taking the under. Okay. Yes. Matt, hit me. Uh, where was I? What did I have? What was my first buy or sell? This is your job. Not mine. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with the Winter Classic because we were going to talk about that. Ran a little bit long on football. Buy or sell yesterday's Winter Classic was the best one we've seen in 10 years. As a spectacle. Or 11, uh, whatever, whatever it's I'm going to sell it because the first one had such allure um, at Wrigley. Okay. That was just like, that was right before, right as the dynasty was kicking in. It was 09. It was that great season where it was the, hey, we're here. We're not messing around. It had those those beautiful throwback jerseys that you still see at the UC today. I thought yesterday's uh, throwbacks were the only ones really that, nice. that can rival the ones that they were. Really wearing. nice. I don't know if I, yeah, I don't know if I put them on top of it, but one one a no doubt mm-hmm. um those were really cool jerseys the spectacle yesterday was fantastic and that's how i'm really grading these outdoor games because the blackhawks can't win one mm-hmm. uh, obviously they they won the one as we talked about pre-production uh, whatever that stadium series was yeah. but they have they never really performed the way that we want them to in these outdoor games so i'm grading it from a spectacle standpoint notre dame stadium as a setting just the way they really you know, tied everything into the history of Notre Dame football and the stadium there. It was, it was, it was a beautiful thing, but um, it wasn't, you know, it was it was the off channel. I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I was watching the football game. See, I, I, I actually, switching, I had that. I was like, switching to, I was switching to the Winter Classic just because, you know, once you see the spectacle, uh, the on ice yeah. product isn't, uh, see, you know, guys are tentative. They're protecting themselves. It, I'm more it's of not the, the high guy. flying action that you expect. And you I'm, are. So yeah, give I'm me more your of take the hockey here. Guy. I actually, I had that one on TV one most of the day, uh, two TV okay. setup, not to brag. Um, but I actually thought that was in terms of like quality of hockey that the Hawks had played. That was, that, that's probably the worst team they've put on the ice for a winter classic, but that I thought that might've been one of the best games they've actually played in a while. Um, not to get an, uh, yeah. on a hockey minute tangent here, but the Hawks the last few weeks have been playing better. And I thought that yesterday was also, it was a nice step against a pretty good team. And a couple bounces here or there go their way. They probably win the game. They had a couple different leads. That one didn't feel like, you know, the, the blowout against the Blues last year or they have in the past. I thought they actually played pretty well. It was a fun game to watch. And 
I'm not just trying to be biased because I'm a Notre Dame fan. I just I think when they're in football stadiums, I know the baseball stadium has that nice quaint feel, the history, you know, you're in Wrigley, whatever. I think the football stadium where you have, I mean, 75,000 people there, it obviously uh-huh. gets louder. The atmosphere is a little bit more buzzing. And to, to, to couple in with the history, like when they had it in the big house a couple years ago and you had the 100,000 people for Maple Leafs Red Wings, you have 80,000 people watching Blackhawks Bruins. I think that just kind of adds to it. And the mystique of those football stadiums kind of build it up for me. So I actually thought from an entertainment, from a venue, from a quality of, of game standpoint, that was probably my favorite winter yeah. classic I've ever watched. They need to find a way to reduce the space between the stands and the and the fans. And I know you can't make a bigger yeah. rink. You're not going to play on an Olympic rink. But to build Double seating the size of the in ice. between, Let's do those it. would be like those would be tough seats. Those would, you wouldn't be able to see much. But yeah, I mean, but if you're buying those seats, it's you're buying them just. So, I mean, when you, just when to you be down up, there. Yeah. When you sit on the glass at a hockey game, Joe, you're, it's, it's you're not more a or less seat. You're not there no, to watch the hockey. No, you you're want to be right above the, the glass. glass. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're more or less buying a ticket to Weezer uh, mm-hmm. in yesterday's instance. <laughs> Matt, buy or sell? Uh, we see. Uh, okay. Me. Oh yeah. It's just who forgot now? Who's the one who forgot? Reading, I was reading last week. Oh, no. well, you're thinking, Joe. I'm actually going to be uh, this yeah. Saturday. Notre Dame and Michigan are playing a game on the on that sheet inside Notre Dame ah. Stadium. Going to be in and South Bend for that. that. Very excited for it. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Matt, buy or sell? We're going to take it back to football here. Oh, I love football. Uh, National title game. Buy or sell, we see Jalen Hurts take snaps in the national championship game. Now, circumstance aside, other than, hey, Jalen, get out there and go take the knee for us. Mm-hmm. We see uh, Jalen Hurts on the football field. It is a snap. Who's but texting um, you, Joe? My girlfriend. Ooh. Just ask <laughs> Okay. It, it, it rings, so I figure I ask. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting say, to No, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say bye. Um I just, I don't think it's going to be a blowout. Nick Saban's not afraid to go to these things. If Tua has a couple bad series here and there, he's not going to be afraid to go to Jalen, maybe for a series or something. Mm-hmm. Tua is as good as that Alabama offensive line can be. We know how good that Clemson defensive front is, and as healthy as they want to tell me Tua is, I'm not terribly sure he's 100%. He's got an ankle. He's got a knee. Yeah, he was kind of cagey so about much, it when asked So much can go wrong that I'm just going to say – I think that he's at some point you might see Jalen Hurts for a series or a few snaps other than just taking these. So I'll buy that. I think I'd buy that too. And I think I'd buy that out of like a, you know, storyline standpoint. I just love to see the kid have like a moment uh, kind of mirrored of, of last season where mm-hmm. Tua had to come in and pick up the slack. I'd love to see Jalen come in, pick up the slack and really punctuate his career um, in the way that he should. Now, Jalen, is he out of eligibility? Is he done after? No, he's year? got another. He's got a, he's grad got a year, and he's wants. probably going to go somewhere else. Yeah, he's got you, the you would grad think transfer. he would end up going somewhere else, but yeah, yeah, he's got so, the grad sorry. transfer year. Sorry, Nick, I can't be your insurance policy anymore. That's okay, Joe. Um, I'm gonna, Matt, that's all I got. What do you? Got? I, I got one more. I remembered what my other one was. Uh, oddly enough, I, I do have a good memory. Um, I'm going to go over under though, like you did with Tiger. All right, so I'm going to I'm going to say over under. One and a half of Antonio Brown, Ben Roethlisberger, and Mike Tomlin are not part of the Steelers organization next year. If you didn't hear the news yesterday, Antonio Brown may or may not have requested a trade, but usually in these occurrences where there's smoke, there's fire. So I'm, I'm going to ask you, apparently he has issues with Tomlin and Roethlisberger, so who wins out here? Yeah. After sitting, uh, after sitting out a must-win wearing a mink coat on the sideline, leading, leaving at halftime. 
Antonio Brown has now ended two seasons in quite auspicious fashion. Last year, uh, Facebook living or whatever he was doing in the locker room mm-hmm. after the game, and then they lose the following week. And it, Antonio Brown is a guy now who this is who he is. Uh, he's not the best guy for your locker room. Is he inexplicably talented, perhaps the best in the league? 100%. You're not going to find a talent like that in the draft. You're not. They don't just build those talents. This is a guy who has progressed year after year to become one of the all-time greats. And at his but at the same time, he is a liability for your locker room. If you can't get along with your head coach, if you can't get along with your quarterback, and if you can't put those things to the side to put the team goal ahead of your own feelings, I don't really think there's a place for you in my locker room. I think that if you're pitting these two sides against each other, I'm going to take the under and say that both Roethlisberger and Tomlin are back. Antonio Brown, I'm going to go out on a limb and say he is a San Francisco 49er next season. Yeah, There's been a lot of uh, following on Twitter, mm-hmm. liking of posts, retweeting, quote tweeting, subtweeting. That's been the uh, the biggest connection here has been the 49ers. That would be a, a very interesting fit. It would be and also an interesting move to tie up that much cap space, really, in just two players mm-hmm. in Garoppolo and Antonio Brown, but that would be a nice weapon for them. I'm kind of with you on Antonio Brown. I mean, he's obviously an incredibly talented player, arguably the best receiver in football, but he great receivers don't usually win you Super Bowls. Nope. Um, and, and tying that, they say tying that much money into a quarterback obviously hurts your team, and obviously it does if you look at It's a different stat, formula. Right? It's tying your that much money into a, a receiver doesn't really have that allure that it used to and i think you're more you're better off spreading that money around elsewhere i mean they still have some talent outside of antonio brown you can use his money to maybe go get two other okay receivers pretty good receivers and maybe help out the yeah defense. but they're they're really you, i think they're really a you know they're really an all pro wide receiver away from having the best receiver no, in the Steelers. league they got Oh, okay, the Steelers. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Because if you look at the Niners, they no, got no, no, dinged think, up this year, and everyone paid zero attention to no, them. But it, it, you have Marquise Goodwin. The Niners are a pretty talented team, and fairly young too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Right? They don't have many other big contracts they're going to have to no, pay coming at, up at that wide time receiver, soon. So they're in a spot where they can afford to go. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry for the confusion. I meant the Steelers. From a Steelers gotcha. standpoint, it makes a lot of sense. They have a lot of talent. You know, in Juju, Juju's ready to be a one. Juju is ready to be a one. I agree. He's ready to be that guy. James Washington had a pretty good year for him too. I mean, they have some skill there, and I. Yeah. Again, you you said it with the locker room stuff too. There's clearly something there. Um, Yeah. And from from a cap standpoint, for the Niners, I don't know what their number in a trade. Honestly, yeah, I don't know what their number looks like uh, next year specifically. But in terms of their receiving core, um, Garcon's gone. Uh, you have Marquise Goodwin signed through, I believe, 2021, something like that. I'm mm-hmm. relatively short money here. I'm looking at it. A million. He's due two nine next year, three nine the next year, and five three the next year. So 2021 is where you end up getting into some trouble probably. But you have a young Dante Pettis on a rookie contract who came out and proved that he can be a great slot guy, even a downfield threat mm-hmm. on the outside, but a, a complimentary, complimentary guy. guy there. Exactly. If that's the case, and you're spending all this money on wide receivers and, and quarterbacks, fine. But then you're going to have to continue to go running back by committee. They have all this money committed to Jarek McKinnon. they got to figure out how to get that money off the books, too, if they're going to do this, and then rely like they did this season on Matt Breida, on Kyle Juszczyk, on you know a couple other guys who they just pick and plugged and put in place for McKinnon, who also went down with a knee injury. So mm-hmm. 
the cap situation, as you said, not really fantastic. I think if they could trade picks and maybe Goodwin to get him off the books, you can make this happen. But like you said, you put yourself in a, uh, a pretty unfavorable position if you do go and throw a bunch of money at Antonio Brown. But mm-hmm. getting ahead of ourselves and not really answering the question, but the answer to the question, I think Antonio Brown is gone. There's no way to – it's an irrecon- irreconcilable uh, differences between yeah. a, a franchise and a player um, and, and what a change it's been in four months' time in having Le'Veon Bell and uh, Antonio Brown be your go-to guys, and now you're looking at a completely new era and a, a division where you're no longer... You're not the top uh, the dog team, You're no longer expected to win that division. You know, you got a, a really gritty Ravens defense and a young quarterback who's shown a lot of talent, and then you got Baker in Cleveland who, uh, who looks like... It's not going to matter what he's got around him. And yes, it obviously does. But Baker is the guy who you go to the boneheaded excuse of he's a winner. And he flat out is to take a team from zero wins to seven wins under two different head coaches, an interim head coach, really doing your own thing. I think that the Browns are going to be good for a little while, too. Yeah. And I I don't think if Mike Tomlin was going anywhere, I think it would have happened by now. And yeah, and yes, there are eight openings. A quarter of one quarter of the league are in the market for starting or new head coaches. Um, between, I believe it is the Jets, the Broncos, the Bengals, the Browns, the Buccaneers, the Cardinals. Who am I missing? Cardinals and one more, or no, two more. Um, Packers, the Packers, Dolphins. and. The Dolphins. Hmm. Those are your eight teams looking for head coaches. So if Tomlin wants a job somewhere else, he could go somewhere else. Um, Because I know the Dolphins would much rather have Mike Tomlin than, uh, you know, some Joe Schmo from Conference USA who they think really has a high-end coaching capability. You know, I I just don't know if there are – there aren't eight good coaching prospects out there. Fitz is staying at Northwestern. Yeah, Fitz isn't gone. Uh, Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley came out. He re-signed at Oklahoma. Signed a big extension, Oklahoma. The big names are right there, and I think that if you're Lane, uh, not Lane Kiffin, um, if you are um, USC offense coordinator Cliff from Kingsbury. Texas Tech, Cliff, you're Cliff Kingsbury. You're kicking yourself right now. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury would have been a shoe, be, and I think for one of I those. I don't think jobs. he's kicking himself. You saw the report this morning. He is actually fielding uh, the, the Jets and. Cardinals are interested in interviewing taking calls. Cliff. He's taking That's calls, hilarious. which you know what? Do it, Cliff. He probably made that very clear when he got hired at USC. Like, yeah, I'll come here, but if somebody else calls and wants me to be a head coach, I'm out of here. I'm gone. And they, they yeah. were probably cool. It's got to be awkward, though, for Clay Helton to be like the head coach at USC and have his offensive coordinator fielding head coaching offers from the NFL. Yeah, I don't think that was going to work. All right, guy. I really think that Cliff, if he was to stay at USC, and we talked about this, I think, a couple weeks ago, that he is the head coach in waiting, mm-hmm. and that's never a uh, productive dynamic in a coach's no. room. Yeah, Matt, I think we touched on it all here today, and uh, we're we're really kicking that rust off. You know, we're kicking that ring rust off. Get I think back so, too. The yeah. and Ruins podcast, episode 86. Thank you for bearing with us through the uh, through that little bit of a, a break we had. We hope, as we said, it was a fantastic holiday season. But now it's winning season. So let's watch the Bears go on a little streak here, upset some teams, be playing in February. Let's just put that out. Let's put that out in the ether. Put that positive energy out there, and uh, let, let's have a great New Year, Matt. And let's cherish football while we still can. Oh, I hate them. But uh, before we go, make a little resolution for the people. What's it? Uh, oh, resolution, resolution for the people. Oh, I don't know. You, you I know you're a resolute man. You're a resolute man. You go first. Uh, 
My resolution, um, uh, you lead with you love. Start doing? My resolution is to lead with love, man. Oh, I was into like more of a physical type <laughs> thing. I was gonna, I was gonna if stop it, ordering out food as much as I did. If, okay, ordering out food. Uh, um, you know, I'm lucky to be surrounded by great people in my life, and I don't really have to, you know, audit my relationships because I am surrounded by just great people. But if you don't have positivity for me, if you don't have love for me, and if you don't have a fat check for me, you're out. Yeah. Okay. I don't have the other check, resolution. But I think I have the other things. You got positivity and love, so yeah. you check two boxes, Matt. You're not even on the hot seat. Two okay? out of You're three. In. That's going to do that's it. Good way to end this one for the Moose and Runes podcast, episode 86. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. Hey, we want to make a big push this year, guys. We want our listeners to grow. We want our 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 what's the word I'm looking for? See, it is. It's the new year. I'm still rusty. You know, I gotta I gotta kick off this rust. You know, yeah. the word rust. But we want our engagement. That was the word I'm looking for. We want our engagement to grow this year. We want you guys to send us your questions. We do want to do some mailbag. We wanted to do a mailbag New Year's special, but we know everyone has their things going on during New Year's. Didn't really pan out. Episode back into these mailbags because every time I come home, our Chicago viewership shows us love, and I know you guys are out there listening. So we appreciate you guys as always. That's going to do it for episode eighty-six for Matt. I'm Joe. We'll talk to you next week. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was. Awesome! <laughs> Chicken on the steak was phenomenal.